0: Let's bring joy back to the classroom and joy to reading. That's what we're talking about today. Hi, this is Frank Buck, and this is the place to be if you wanna get organized and make it look easy. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Danny Russell, America's leading reading ambassador. Danny, thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Frank. And I just I just value our friendship so much. God bless you, and thanks for all the positivity you're spreading in the world.
0: Oh, you're more than welcome. You've been called across cross between Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, and having heard you speak a number of times, I'd say that's pretty much right on. As you look around the room, you see smiles and laughter, but between all that, it's, it's a very serious message about reading, a very serious message about joy, and that's the message that I want to bring to our audience. Uh, first, To help our audience understand a little about you, how you got here, tell us the backstory. Tell us about Dr. Danny Brassell.
1: Well, I'll warn you right now, I have this bad habit of long answers to short questions, Frank. (laughs) I'll try to be brief. Uh, Basically, it's ironic I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian. I always hated the public library growing up. They always smelled funny. The furniture was uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was always some freaky homeless guy. I thought he was a vampire hanging out by the bookshelves. I always hated the library. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city in South Central Los Angeles, where I saw a lot of my students didn't have a lot of the things that I had growing up. I mean, I grew lower. I grew up lower middle class, Frank, but we always had food on the table. Both of my parents were present in the home. And my parents, read in front of us, to us, and we had plenty of access to reading materials in our home. And I realized shame on me. And so I made it my mission to really uh, spread the joy of learning by really uh, enhancing kids' curiosity. You know, uh, I created the world's top reading engagement program because I think you and I will agree that schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they love it. And so that's my passion.
0: We're, uh, as this podcast and video releases, we're, we're right at the beginning of school. And you know, I, I just stop and think for the third grader that uh, entering third grader, the last time they experienced a normal school year was never, yeah, never. Third grade on down, this is our best chance for something that we had sort of taken for granted. What's the special challenge here, and and how can teachers and how can parents? sort of help those young ones catch up.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you're addressing some important things, Frank. I mean, first of all, I think we need to praise teachers for just getting through these last couple of years. Uh, I used to think it was difficult working with 33 kids in my classroom, but I can't even imagine working with kindergartners online, not being able to hug them and and, uh, wipe their tears and things like that. Uh, It's been an extraordinary challenge for people. And I was hoping that teachers were gonna get a big pay raise since millions of parents were forced to involuntarily Uh, Homeschool their children. I I, I wanted them to appreciate, wow, you think it's tough just teaching your kid? Try 33 different kids in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's been some extraordinary challenges. But one of the things that happened because of COVID was I created uh, my online reading program, thereadinghabit.com, which basically, in just over two months, I teach parents and teachers how to get kids to read more read better, and most importantly, love reading. And that, you know, you're know you the time management expert, which I, I always, I love, you give so many great tips. And there's two numbers I always uh, basically tell parents. So the program lasts just over two months, 67 days, where every day parents receive about a five minute video from me showing them an idea on how to get their kid excited about reading. And so the two numbers I want people to focus on are 67 and 20. So why 67? Well. A lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, show me the research on that. It's a completely fabricated number. It, it, actually,
0: that, that one has been debunked. Yeah. Oh well. And <laughs> I actually know
1: where the number comes from. I can tell you it's from a wonderful book written in 1960 called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Mm-hmm. Maxwell Maltz. And in Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon. And in the preface of the book, he said he noticed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new face. Well a lot of personal development self-help gurus, a lot of people that I respect by the way, started saying, oh, it takes 21 days to change a habit. That number is completely arbitrary. Well, back in 2009, University of London did a habit formation study and they found it took anywhere from 18 to 253 days to change a habit and the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day, 67, 67 yeah. days to change a habit. It's important for people to understand It depended on the habit, too. So, for example, let's let's say, Frank, you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast. That might take 18 days to make that into a habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 253 days. And here's why this is important. Let's say you go on a diet. You follow it religiously for 21 days. But on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Well, you blame yourself. And that's completely arbitrary. The research shows, on average, it takes at least three times longer to create a habit. And so that's why I think it's really uh-huh. important that we're, we're showing where research comes from and actually uh-huh. showing the actual research. Now, the second number I want parents out there to focus on, and teachers as well, is 20. So researchers were looking for habits of successful students around the world, and they stumbled upon one that they couldn't believe it was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. So they looked at the low kids, the average kids and the high kids. They found that the low kids, the kids in the 20th percentile, your F students, your bottom feeders, they averaged less than a minute a day of reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why those kids are at the bottom of the class. But this did surprise the researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, the C students, your average students, their average was 9.6 minutes per day of reading outside of school. And so when I'm doing a live training with uh, parents, this is usually when the room gets really quiet and the first hand raises and the parents like, wait a second, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day outside of school, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. The research is pretty prevalent on this, but this blew blew the researchers out of the water. The kids near the very top of the class, the 90th percentile, your A minus students, do they spend three hours a day outside of school reading for fun? No. Do they spend one hour a day outside of school reading for fun? No, the average was just over 20 minutes a day. That is the purpose of my program is to help parents Mm -hmm. find those 20 minutes a day outside of school. And here's two things that are great to know. First of all, being read aloud to is just as good as reading on your own. So for example, parents that always tell me, you're the time expert, I always tell people, well, you know, I was doing this study, this is fascinating, A 100 years ago, researchers discovered that they only had 24 hours in their day as well. It's not about time management, it's about priority management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I tell parents, if you have a 10 minute commute back and forth to school with your kid, put in an audio book, you just, cover, you just covered your 20 minutes going back and forth to school. That's an easy one. And mm-hmm. um, uh the second thing that they found is what I just alluded to is they don't have to be consecutive minutes. So you can find five minutes here, five minutes there. I mean, I have three children of my own when they were younger uh, and they'd be eating breakfast. I'd be making their lunches for uh, school. And I always had my laptop open because there's a great uh, program sponsored free of charge by the uh, Screen Actors Guild. T- it's called uh, StorylineOnline.com. Dot- net, I think, StorylineOnline.net, where they get famous people, uh, you know, Hillary Duff and uh, Jason Alexander and, uh, you know, who knows, all these different celebrities that read aloud books. And one of the great little tricks is every read aloud is about 10 to 15 minutes long and they're all closed captioned. And that's one of the tricks I know that you like that I I always tell parents. Uh, uh, President Bush Sr. over 30 years ago signed a very important law in this country that says, Every single television set in America has to have closed captioning. And so when parents tell me they have nothing to read at home, I'm like, oh, I bet you do. I bet you have a TV set. Turn on the closed captioning. And parents <laughs> will say, well, wait a second. If the show's in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point. Let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? That's very difficult to do. Your brain is directed towards that text. And there's actually research that supports this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country in the world, except for one. The country with the highest reading scores in the world also watches the most TV in the world. It's Finland. And people ask, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they do is they import all these old episodes of Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch. and They have to subtitle all of them. The kids are constantly reading the screen. So that's a quick fix for any parent out there that says they have no time. You know, I'm like, yeah, who has time to read with your kid after you've watched the game on TV, had a couple of beers and gone out shopping? I mean, folks, it's priorities you Mm -hmm. know uh, another simple tip with my own children I, i i create a habit very young i have a feeling television is here to stay and I believe in Tai Chi, using technology to my advantage. And so my kids know that the price of admission to turn on the TV is they have to bring me something to read. So when they were, they're all three teenagers now. When they were younger, they'd bring me picture books. Now they'll bring me either like a magazine article, a newspaper article, usually something on their Kindle, some, some articles they read. And that's another thing. A lot of people ask me, Danny, ebooks or regular books? And my answer is yes. You know, I I was with a fourth grade teacher. She told me mm-hmm. this kid didn't know how to read. I was with Deshaun for one hour and Deshaun must have texted 20 of his friends. He sent several emails. He surfed the net. He's highly literate. She's using a definition from 100 years ago. I mean, I'm... I'm old, Frank, you know, yeah, chop off my head and count the Yeah, rings. yeah. I, I mean, I like actual physical books. That's, that's right. the thing. My wife, though, she loves her Kindle. And I'll give you an argument on why the Kindle is great. I mean, um, so my wife is from Singapore. And so every year we go back to Singapore to visit her family. And while I'm busy packing 20 books in my luggage, she's packing a one pound, seven ounce device that has access to the entire world's library. So that's one advantage. Second of all, hmm. Both of us like to read in bed and it drives my wife crazy cause I always have to have my lamp on in bed while I'm reading in bed. Her Kindle illuminates itself so it doesn't bother anybody. So that's another advantage. And then third, again, I'm getting older some of these books, it's difficult for me to read the text. You don't have to worry about that on a Kindle because you can adjust the font size and make it bigger for you. And so I'm one of these people, and I know you're exactly the same way, Frank. All that anybody has to do is just read one of your weekly uh, emails. I get so many quick little, I'm like, man, eureka moments. <laughs> and you've you've done such a great pivot where you're really showing people some basic technology tips, how to embrace technology to make your life a lot easier. And that's what it's mm-hmm. all about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, life doesn't have to be as hard as we often make it. And the technology that's available to us today and that's available to children today, we didn't have it growing up. You know, and and we we often say, you know, we teach as we were taught. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. As a young band director, I found myself saying many of the things that my junior high band director had said. But gosh, technology has been the game changer. And I'm so glad you talked about the closed captioning. You know, the first time that I heard you, I don't remember if it was a conference or something I saw you do online, but when you talked about... Turn on closed captioning, that one thing that took two seconds to do, and now you're helping your child read. So, oh, I'm too busy to help my child read. Now, I mean, so quick, so easy. And then, you know, the other things that, that, that you have talked about, and, and like for me as an adult, I don't know about you, but I cannot proofread my own stuff. So like the the emails that you're talking about, you wouldn't believe how full of, sp- not necessarily spelling errors, but where my brain thought one thing, you know, where I went and I wrote the sentence and I went back and I changed the sentence, but I didn't take out all the words I should have changed. And if I try to proofread that, my eyes see what my brain meant, mm-hmm. not what's actually there on the page. But if I can hear it read back to me, my ears catch every little thing, not only the, the errors, but the things that just really aren't good writing. Mm-hmm. I'm going, Oh no, I just use the same noun three times in a row. Let me go back and use something else. And there's so many good things, you know, immersive reader now, and I've got a little, uh, I'll a little Chrome extension where I can just highlight paragraphs, right click and say, read it to me. And it just reads it right back to me. Microsoft words got the same thing. So yes, And the neat thing is the voices are so good now. There's actually some inflection in the voice.
1: Can I give you a tip on that, Frank,
0: since you're author? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the
1: things I do is I work with a lot of authors and it changed my life uh, because I used to do it with my students. I'm like, oh, this would work with regular authors, too, is after I've written a book. You know, it goes through editors and everything, but the best thing I ever started doing is, uh, now I create the uh, the audio version of my book. While you're creating the audio vision, reading aloud your own book, you'll see those, you'll catch errors that you wouldn't catch if you were just reading them. When you read them aloud, it, exactly what you said, wow, I use that noun three times in a single sentence, or wow, that word's completely misspelled, or what, what was I even thinking about right here? Uh-huh. And by creating, so you actually just create another product, you create an audio version of your book, and you're editing the book at the same time.
0: Now, as an adult, yeah, you know, we we want kids to read more. Mm-hmm. What about adults? How do we get adults to read more? Because it's like, you know, you've worked all day. I don't have time to read War and Peace. Yeah, what can we do for folks my age? Yeah, I was really
1: blessed in seventh grade. Uh, my seventh grade reading teacher was a guy by the name of Will Hobbs, who wound up becoming one of the best-selling young adult authors in the world. He writes a lot of uh, outdoor adventure books for teens that are fantastic. And he was my seventh grade reading teacher in Durango, Colorado. And he was the first person to get me excited about reading. He had 5,000 books in his classroom. And every day at the beginning of class, he would tell us what he was reading. We would tell him what we were reading. And the rest of the 50 minute period, we read. Whenever we finish a book, we'd go up to Mr. Hobbs. He put down the book he was reading, looked through our book, asked us three or four questions. And if he was satisfied with our answers, he gave us a point. Every book up to 200 pages was worth one point. Every extra 100 pages was worth another point. You needed 25 points to get an A, and the top five point totals had their names written on the board. And I wanted my name written on that board, Frank. So 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne, 500 page book, four point book. Mm-hmm. Also, an excellent Disney film starring James Mason and Kirk Douglas. And I didn't really feel like reading a 500 page book when I was 14 years old. So I, I took the book up to Mr. Hobbs. He asked me four questions and I learned a valuable lesson that day, Frank, books ain't always like the movies. And yes, totally right. it, here's the thing. He gave me the four points and he taught me a great teaching strategy, guilt works, because I read every word of every page of every book from that point forward, wound up with 44 points, you know, uh, wound up going well above and beyond what I had to do. He used the single greatest strategy I've ever seen a teacher use to get a person interested in reading. He found out what I was interested in, which was football. And at least once a week, he'd come up to me with a book. He's like, hey, Danny, check out this book on John Elway. I know you'll like it what are the odds I open up that book? In my experience with all age levels, 100% person might not read it, but they are going to check. Also in my experience, by the fourth time I do that, do that with a person, they're going to try and read that book because there's nothing more powerful than somebody significant in your life, a teacher, a coach, a, a pastor, a parent, a buddy, an older sibling saying, you know what? I think you should read this. And so the problem I see with a lot of adults was they were taught like you and me. I mean, Frank, when I was in high school, I was forced to read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, and no offense to the people that love The Scarlet Letter, but basically, uh, the story is about Hester Prynne commits adultery, and so she's forced to wear an A on her chest, and so I raised my hand and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that book. Now, oh, no. if she was a smarter teacher, what she should have done is found out what I was interested in because what are we looking for? Is it to read this classic literature? I, I, I mean, I can understand where that might be one of the objectives, mm-hmm. but really the objective is how do I get this person to read better? And I'll tell you what, I, I do corporate trainings all the time and I'll ask all these executives in suits, what was your favorite book growing up? And I'm not kidding, Frank, 70% of the audience is like, fantastic four spider-man batman mm-hmm. if you look comic books are actually written at a higher level than network news it's almost twice the level yeah, of yeah. i'm not even kidding um and I, I think a lot of us have to rethink what our objective is now and i'm not, I'm not going to put down literature you know my own i so here's a little tip for all the parents out there i i read different books with my kids and my wife They're great for relationships Mm -hmm. because really one of the best impacts of my program is after the 67 days, I do a video with the parents where I'm like, okay, I know your kids are reading more. I know they read better and I know they love reading after just two months, but here's what I just gave you. I just gave you 20 minutes a day, one-on-one with your kid. How many of us wouldn't have died to have had that kind of attention from our parent? I mean, I just gave you the gift of time, which is your specialty. I mean, all of us are so busy focusing on nonsense, you know, I don't that's why I stopped watching social media. I'm like, this is just a forum for people that have problems. Like, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh-huh. You know, and I'd rather I'd rather that's why I love spending time. How many of us actually just spend time? There's people, Frank, if they're not looking at you, they're barking, barking, barking. But the moment they're actually looking at you, oh. No oh it's nice we're civil we're civil you know turn on the social media oh civil we're looking at each other it's kind of like people cutting you off on the freeway i'm like would you do that if you were walking in front of me would you just shove your way past i don't think so people have to learn manners uh and i don't even know where i'm going with this point it's just but it's been driving me nuts that i'm like well wait a second let's let's create more positive habits in the kids and uh you know and I, I've given up on a lot of adults, but actually, so I, I think your original question was how do we, how do I get like a, a middle-aged guy who's not interested in reading? I'm like, that do you totally like Sports is. Illustrated? Read Sports Illustrated. You know, mm-hmm. do you like quilting magazines? Read quilting magazines. Do you like? I mean, I I tend to ask people. You can read the news, but I tell people, I'm like, just so you remember, there's no such thing as fake news. There's people who depend on one news source. You have something between your ears. You need to learn how to use this thing. So if you're reading, you need to read different points of view. I mean, I used to teach history. I started my career as a history teacher. The first thing I always tell people is history books are usually written by the winners. I mean... Every event in history has multiple points of view. And my job is to teach you how to think, not what to think. And I think too many of us depend on a person to tell us what to think. I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You should be questioning why. Are there intentions behind that? And and I'm not going to put down any any news service because I I think all of them could do a better job. I mean, I was a journalist before I was a teacher, and Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that you learn how to read. I mean, I used to watch five, five newscasts a night and I read 10 newspapers a day. And that's a little trick I used to tell people. I'm like, so Watch, watch news tonight. You can watch network news, you can watch Fox News, MSNBC, BBC, and just look at the top three stories. You'll be amazed at how different the top three stories are
0: among different mm-hmm. uh, news channels. And that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I, it it it's amazing. You know, you look at Fox, you see one thing. CNN, yeah. something else. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And you know, I remember back in tenth grade. You know, they had this little in English class, this little unit on propaganda. And it's like, wow, don't we really need that now? Because, you know, you can see just about any viewpoint. If you look at the right place, and I think social media and our networks, it tends to divide people into their little niches, you know, where, where whatever you want to hear, there's a group that's going to be saying that. And they'll be saying a lot of that. And everybody who's listening to that will be going, absolutely. That's the 100% truth. How could anybody think something different? While over here, you've got an entirely different viewpoint with people going, how could anybody think anything other than this is the truth? A few things are black and white. It's, it's those various shades of gray and I, yeah, I, remember my tenth grade English teacher who was trying to get us to understand that kind of thing. And that's before we had Facebook and yeah, yeah. Twitter and all this kind. Of, you know, we had Walter Cronkite who said, "This yeah. is the way it is," and, yeah. and you said, "Yes, sir." Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember faculty meetings. You know, I'm I was in the principalship. Yeah, you know, for a long time, I was a principal starting in 1997, and so the internet was just sort of becoming something that we all had. And you remember those things that used to come across, you know, how Swiffer's going to kill your dog, and <laughs> and all of these things. And if it was on the internet, it had to be true. Yeah. So we actually had a faculty meeting one time where I said, "Now look, when you read one of these things, you can just go to Google, you know, just." <laughs> Highlight a chunk of that text and put it into Google and see what you get. And it's like, so-and-so is actually, uh, you you know, it's not real. And -and so-and-so it's here's the latest hoax going on that everybody's passing around. And to say, look, before you spread this, before you become part of the problem of spreading all this, just check it out just a little bit, just the way that we would want our kids to do that as well. Yeah, it
1: takes just as much effort to be kind as it does to be rude. So uh, that's the big thing. <laughs> is it's the two finger trick I used to teach my students. I'm like, okay, yes. everybody, take your index fingers, put them on the sides of your mouth. Now mush. <laughs> <laughs> we need more smiling, man. I, I I just see so much, so much rudeness that doesn't have to be out there, and it's it's bringing people down. And mm-hmm. um, you know, especially you know, the pandemic.
0: Yeah, And I, I was just about to say because of the pandemic. There is a lot of just anger out there that we've forgotten all of the good things, all of the blessings that are happening to us. And we're seeing all of the, you know, all of the negative out there. And and
1: it, it, that's one of the things I love, Frank. I mean, so before the pandemic, I'm a visiting distinguished professor at American University in Cairo. Say that five times fast. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> yeah. I was in Egypt and I love going to different schools. And so it was really interesting, Frank. So I went to this Islamic school at two in the afternoon. They had 400 parents show up. I mean, I was blown away two in the afternoon. And uh, it was like the Muslim brotherhood. All the guys had the long beards and all the women were in burqas. And we were talking like you and I are talking right now. And I was like, shame on me. Shame on me. I had all these preconceptions of these people. And it turned out to be the greatest audience of my life because I started off my presentation. I'm like, so I was reading this book the other day. Have any of you ever read the Quran? And they all laugh. And I'm like, oh, well, then, you know, the story in the Quran, when the angel Gabriel appears to Muhammad in the cave, what's his first instruction of Muhammad? Because the first pillar of Islam is to read. And so I looked at him like, so not only should we get your kids reading, it's actually written in your most sacred text. It's your duty to get your kids reading. And I had 400 heads doing this. I'm like, Oh my gosh! Who would have uh, who would have ever imagined the Christian dude? His favorite audiences now are Muslims. I mean, I, and I love them. I, I've spoken now online. I'm doing all kinds of trainings in Pakistan and and uh, the the Middle East, and it's wonderful. And I was like, wow! I had this narrow thinking because I was depending on other people to tell me, well, this is what they're like, and I'm like, but no, it's not true, I, I, you know. And you and I have the blessing of being able to speak all around the country, and I'm like, yeah. You people have their, you know. I stopped doing, I, when I first started as a speaker, I do Southern jokes. I'll never do a Southern joke anymore because I'm like, Southern audiences are my favorite audiences. They're so kind and generous to me. You know, even when they want to insult me, it's kind of, like, oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, we, we, we figure we can say anything. And as long as we end it with, bless your heart. Bless it's okay. Your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, this is great. We could, you know, we could talk all afternoon long, and um, it' always such a pleasure to be around you and hear the joy that's there. So, twenty minutes a day, if we can get kids reading, whatever, yeah. twenty minutes a day, that even one who's way down there, we we can bring them up. So, as we go into a year that. For a lot of our kids, it's going to be, and it hopefully will be a normal year. Hopefully. We don't know. And, of course, that's also saying that there has been such thing as a normal year. I don't know that I ever experienced a normal year because they're all different. They're all different. But, boy, the last couple have been different off the charts. So I think we're all looking forward to a year where we can – start to fill in the gaps and get our kids back and give them the education that we that we'd like for them to have. So 20 minutes at home in addition to what they're getting at school uh, turn on the closed caption, you know have conversations about books, little things. yeah that can be tremendous things.
1: Well, and as a a thank you for having me on, Frank, and for your audience having to listen to me for half hour, (laughs) I want to give everybody a couple of gifts. So if you go to uh, freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give you two things. First of all, I'm going to give you a complimentary copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. It's a book I, I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation demonstrates the same concept that fits into your whole program on time management. So you you can read that in five minutes It gives you the same idea. And then I'm also gonna give you access to last summer, I did a five day reading challenge online for about 700 parents around the world, where every day for five consecutive days, I come on for an hour and give you all kinds of different ideas on how to get your uh, kids uh, excited to read Read more, read better, and most importantly, love reading. It's the basis of my uh, reading program, which is uh,
0: live and well. <laughs> Fantastic. And and for everybody that's listening to the podcast version, or if you're watching this on YouTube, come over to the accompanying blog post, and we'll have all, because we've talked about a number of things. We'll have the links to all of these in the show notes so that you can uh, really go and Help bring some joy back to your life, to uh, your kids' life. And hey, if you're not a teacher, uh, you're not. Uh, you don't have kids of your own at home. Whose kids do you care about? You have grandchildren. You have next door neighbors. Uh, get those parents in front of this episode. We got to bring some joy back. We've got to bring. Uh, get some reading skills up, and um, you know, take these kids where they can go. And not just kids, but all of us old folks too. We need a little joy as well. Danny, it has been such a pleasure having you on. And to our audience, Dr. Danny Purcell and Frank Buck, thanks so much for stopping by. And now uh, it's time to go and get organized and make it look easy.